0: I to quite conversations with Al Jackson Pasture, and today I've got a very, like, very good friend of mine, uh, a brother. Uh, you know, yeah, this guy comes a long way, you know. And um, today we just—I just, just want to talk to him about his passion. You know, I think money is his passion, and. Not everyone would think that money is someone's passion, but, uh, you know, I've checked out his, his YouTube channel and I've seen, you know, he talks about a lot of things. And recently he spoke about a very, very interesting topic that I actually would like to ask a lot of questions about with regards to cryptocurrency. But um, I'd like you to introduce yourself, um, Lawrence. You are a, uh, if, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, you work with money, right?
1: I do. Yes.
0: Okay, so he works with money. Uh,
1: I do. I don't know I whether
0: do. you work in a bank or you just uh, work in the financial uh, industry.
1: All right. Um, first of all, thank, thank you for having me on your show. Um, thank you to the listeners for joining in. Um, it's a humbling experience because uh, having to be part of your show is some kind of a recognition for the work that I've done so far. I haven't been doing what I've been doing for a long time, but I am grateful that you've given me the uh, opportunity to sit in your show. Um, As you said, yes, my name is Lawrence Itai Sitole. Yes, yes. Uh, I am a banker. I'm with the leading commercial bank. It's actually Africa's biggest by assets. Um, I've been with them cumulatively for about five years. I recently started um, let's call it a business or an initiative uh, to advance financial literacy, specifically among Black people, um, because we are really lagging behind in yeah. that respect. Of course, financial literacy is a need, a universal need. All people need to grasp it, but it's, the need is much more desperate amongst our own people of color. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, yes, I, 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 um, I, I am passionate about money, and uh, I'm doing it in two areas. Yes, there is the YouTube channel. The YouTube channel is Financial Sense TV. Okay. And uh, it started three weeks ago, as, uh, as we were talking prior to the show. Yes. And I'm also on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, I produce a weekly u- newsletter called The Investment Brief. Oh, okay. And the topics I cover are vast, but all of them have to do with Financial, personal finance, financial literacy, investment, economics, business, etc. Oh. So yeah, you can. Uh, I'm not sure if we are connected on LinkedIn, as it were.
0: No, no, uh, no but
1: um, uh, believe me, I there. Um, it's
0: Yeah, no, I haven't actually been on LinkedIn. It's okay. uh, go ahead. I do. I do have um, uh, LinkedIn. Uh, profile but like i haven't really done anything with it because i've been like really really like slacking with that you know um, i'm busy on my instagram i'm busy on my uh, on my um, basically it's what instagram what's up basically and I, I am busy on my facebook sometimes but like not really on linkedin and i'm still trying to learn how to right. to get into that uh that's um, right. um you know I'm, I'm busy on Clubhouse. There's another app called Clubhouse as well. It's kind of like Twitter. But yeah, an audio Wonderful. version. Yeah. But otherwise, so just coming to, to, to financial um, literacy, but before we actually get there, I just want to say to the uh, to the listeners and the viewers uh, that um, there is quite a delay mm-hmm. to our different, because we're in different areas and different countries and uh, due to that, there's kind of like a delay with the network, but otherwise, uh, coming to financial literacy, what actually got you into wanting to teach, especially our, uh, our Africans, our African brothers and sisters about finances? What got you to that point to say, you know what, listen, let me just put this out there and teach people? Uh-huh.
1: Well, thank you for the question. And it's one of my biggest motivators. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll say, personally, I did not come from money. Uh, I said it in the opening video on the channel. I said um, I I was not born with a silver spoon. I was born with a shiny plastic one, but it was definitely not a silver spoon. (laughs) So I... (laughs) And look... uh, The stories are just too many. If you read in the papers over any number of years, you'll see you'll have a black business guy come up, you know, and almost reach, if you like, a glass ceiling, and then everything falls apart. Mm. But then you have um, families like the Oppenheimers, Mm. families like the Ruperts, families like the Rothschilds, families Mm. like the Cargills, who've had money for generations. And in the case of the Oppenheimers, their company, Anglo-American, has been around over 100 years. Yes. All right. And I'm yet to find a multi-generational black family that's been wealthy for just as long. Mm. So that was one of the motivations. And then the other thing, my brother, is that um, I'm not sure if you've heard of anything called the racial wealth gap.
0: Um, Has uh, racial wealth gap. I haven't. I've heard about it, but I think it was in an yes, American I... program or something like that. Uh, I'm sure, but I'm not really versed out right. with that.
1: I see. Okay. Anyway, and another thing that's also one of my motivators. And generally speaking the wealth gap is a phrase that was coined in the U.S. where a number of very respectable institutions like Brookings decided to conduct um, studies and research into finding out how black people compare financially with white people. Mm. And then they found, this is a very interesting statistic, they found that the median white family in the U.S.
2: Mm.
1: has 10 times more wealth than you would find in the median black family in the U S mm. 10 times. And the guys that, um, compiled the same research said that, um, of the 10 million black households that, uh, you have in the U S they are cumulative wealth. Right. Yeah you cannot compare it with the richest 400 Americans who are all white in America, Wow! all right? So that is like the wealth gap. And they then quantified it. They actually attached a number and said, all right, of all the black people, if we were to sum up all the black people's money in the US, mm-hmm. it came up to about 1 point something, one 1. 1.5 to $2 trillion. Uh, dollars. Yeah. versus the wealth of all the white people that they have in the U.S. That comes up to some t- uh, $12 trillion. Mm. So the wealth gap ratio, if we we're to quantify it, it is around $10 trillion. and that's just in the U.S.
2: Mm.
1: Black people in the U.S. Now, we normally look to these guys and say, all right, they're well-off, they're this, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're living in what's, uh, quote-unquote, the land of opportunity and whatnot. Yeah. So, if they are $10 trillion behind white people only in America, imagine what that gap is like in the UK. Imagine what that gap is like in Asia. Imagine what that gap is like in Australia. Yeah. Imagine what that gap is like here in Africa. So, yeah. financial literacy for me is like empowering black people to catch up $10 trillion. Yeah. So- I might not achieve that in my lifetime. <laughs> Right. But yeah. I want to set the ball
0: rolling. Yeah, yeah, man. And, and, and what do you think actually has caused us Black people to kind of have that gap? That because you look at it and think, okay, now we, right. we, we basically own uh, our own continent, basically due, due to uh, situations or scenarios such as <laughs> democracy and stuff like that. You know, Because when you're looking at it, um, I've come to South Africa, for example, where you would find that um, in, in, in a community where there's maybe 10 black people and white, one white person, that white person can have more money than what uh, the 10 black people would have. And what do you think really caused that, uh, especially in this time?
1: Uh, thank you for asking that question. And uh, it's like you're reading my mind because I was, I was also coming to it. Yeah. Now, before I give my opinion, I actually want to cite to you what this research by Brookings Institute found yeah. and all the other um, sources I consulted in my research.
2: Yeah.
1: All of them universally agree that the racial wealth gap is is as a result of institutionalized and systemic racism.
2: Mm. Now,
1: I don't want to speak like a politician. I'm not a politician. Um, I I am also not one of the radicals, you know, (laughs) because that wealth gap is what's given rise to your EFFs and, um, the fast-track land reform program that happened here in my country. Yeah, yeah. And all a number of them uh, have not really been successful. They've actually been chaotic. Mm. So what I'll say is, um, we, yes, the racism, I acknowledge it because empirically there's the research that says it's there. Yes. And the wealth gap is also there because we are generally not very clued up about how money ought to work, what we should do with money.
2: Mm -hmm. which
1: is a role that I've then given myself to say, okay, if the reason aside from systemic racism is the fact that we don't really know how we should deal with money, then I owe it to my race to say, guys, this is how money should be handled. If you want to optimize the amount of money you have, if you want to um, make more money, if you yeah. want to keep more money, if you want to grow a bit of wealth, this is how you do it. Yes. That's where I'm coming from. So, yes, the racism, according to, 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 to research. And then, secondly, um, we're very poorly equipped in terms of financial sense. <laughs> yeah. 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 Hence the name of the channel. Yes.
0: And, 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 and the thing is that for me, is, you know, speaking about that, we are poorly equipped. My, my biggest problem is that. You know, when looking at how we as Africans, you know, came about, uh, you know, upbringing, you know, even looking at history, you'd find that um, the the father would teach the child on how to tend for the uh, tender animals and how to, you know, feed the the, the livestock, how to, to plant and plow and how to build, how to do all those things. And then when it came to the shift, uh, basically like a, a mini evolution, uh, we then started now to, we don't have the farms. Okay, cool. But you find that even black businessmen have businesses, but they'll never teach their own child. How to run that business. They would rather say, you know, I'm going to make sure that I make so much money just for you to go to university and become a doctor or become a lawyer or become this, this, and that. But we never take them and put them under our arm and say, listen, let me show you how business works. And then when you go into a system like the the Muslim system, you know, you find that the Muslims will have their children. Um, Even if their children don't have the interest of that company, but if their children are maybe interested in cars, you know, uh, uh, let's say I'll be the father, I've got a a, a store that sells uh, maybe uniform, school clothing, and busy selling all that school school clothing and stationery and all that, my son will come and say he loves cars. And then I start, same company name, everything, Mm -hmm. invest in my child, and help them Mm -hmm. bring up their company Mm -hmm. that deals with fast cars or or whatever the cars may be Mm -hmm. and then you get um Mm -hmm. even even in in the in the white side you know they do teach their children and get them interested in what they're interested in or they make that talent grow Mm -hmm. but with us we never Mm -hmm. do that we always want to set a certain plan or a certain way of doing things for our children. So why is that?
1: Well, um, I acknowledge it, first of all, and I agree, because you're quite right. When you say the Muslims, the Indians, you'll find Mm. a Muslim or Indian family, uh, regardless, I mean, the other races that aren't black people, (laughs) um, (laughs) you'll find that, the guy who starts a business, and I'll speak particularly um, addressing the Indian community, Mm. you'll find that the guy who operates, whether it's a shoe business, a clothing business, or whatever it is, uh, downtown there, operates his business and actually lives in a flat upstairs. Yes. All right. And when his children are born, Mm. the first place they visit, possibly, Right in their formative years is usually the shop floor, yes, yes. So they are, um, if you like, indoctrinated, or that mindset is mm. inculcated from an early age that you must work for yourself, you must mm-hmm. do this, you must do that, and support your family business. That's that's what they, you know, that's what it, it's, it's stuff I've noticed. Yes. Whereas, as you quite rightly say, in some, a good number of Black businesses, it normally it's an exception. It's yes. not always the case that the family is involved. It's not always, um, you know, it's, it's it's usually very different. So I believe it's a mindset thing. And again, yes. mindset is informed by uh, education and experiences. All right. And uh, if you like, that could be one of the driving forces that uh, motivates the work that I'm doing now, to say, mm. um, I've actually said it, no job is, is uh, secure. Yes, yes. COVID has taught us that, no job mm. is secure. Um, technological advances have showed us that no job is secure. all right uh economic movements have shown us that no job is secure so what is the best way and the most sustainable way to enhance yourself financially is to get involved in enterprise Mm -hmm. and uh it's not a mistake remember the examples of the wealthiest families that i've told you about Yes. Um, you'll find most of them are family businesses the ackermans and pick and pay (laughs) all right Mr. I think it's Gareth Ackerman, his second generation, it was his father that began pick and pay. Yes. The Oppenheimers, I believe now are no longer, they've sold out of Anglo-American, but the last guy who was chairman, Nicky Oppenheimer is third generation. So it is a family business. Yes, yes. Rupert um, with his Remgro and Richmond, and um, oh gosh, they've got so many companies. His father was the one who started those businesses. So uh, yes, 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 yes. The family dynamic in terms of making businesses successful is very important. The family mm. dynamic in terms of perpetuating wealth in a multi generational sense is definitely important. It's something that we've got to do, and uh, we got to change obviously our mm. mindset and a culture shift to say, look, guys, when we it you succeed at setting up a business, yes. it's not a bad thing to make it a family business, okay? Some family businesses are not as successful, but let's learn from the ones that they are, that actually are successful,
2: mm-hmm. yes? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and, and speaking about education, so what do you think about mm-hmm. our education system? Because yes, um, I know with, with, with uh, Zimbabwe and South Africa and all the other countries, we have a different system with regards to education, but, uh, looking at it from, from an African perspective, is that what then can, what changes can we put into the education system in order for us to kind of give that idea of, you know, as, as, a, as, a, as a young man, actually, I can start saving up money at that age, and at the same time, as a young man, I can start right. even investing in other things. You know, um, you do get like your, there was a time when, I think it was Willys, Woolworths, used to have this system where you could buy, like, you know, your, your small shares. I think they used to start from like 50 Rand or something like that, I uh, stand to be corrected. You know, you could buy those shares, those right. tiny shares, and it will uh-huh. help you actually like, grow your your investment as well. And at at some certain point, when you become, uh, at some point when you become old, you will then take that money and invest into something else different. So what type of systems or what type of role can we play? Okay. Uh, sorry about that. We just had a, an ESCOM problem here with the electricity and the network and everything. But so, as I was asking, I was I was saying that what what role can education play in teaching the uh, especially the kids uh, with regard to just how to save money and how to you know how to manage your 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 finances.
1: All oh, right. Thanks, man. Um, look. I was gonna give a nice detailed response and say, our countries share a a similar political history, if you like. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And over the years, we inherited our governments, post-independence and post-democracy in your case,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: uh, inherited an education system that was not designed to empower or to emancipate financially black people it was segregated mm. all right and then of course you know we've made developments it's different now there were opportunities that historically were you know kept exclusively for people who are not black mm. and our black people were restricted to certain opportunities uh, and all of that mm. so With time, the systems have changed. We have access to more opportunities, but still, in the financial side, on the financial side, we seem to be lagging behind Mm. because Mm. let's be honest our educational systems do not teach anything to do with handling of money. They don't, especially for a you know, yeah, on the personal side. So, obviously, there's a lot of work to be done, and hence that's why you've seen industries like the one I am in come up, the financial literacy industries. And um, there's a number of actors and people involved. And the most notable in your country, someone I have great respect and great admiration for, uh, Nicolette Mashile, I don't know if you've heard of her. No,
0: no, Uh, I think is she the one that um, started her own bank?
1: um well no i wouldn't i would i'm not too sure about the bank but she her organization is called financial bunny it used to be called financial fitness bunny then you know they shortened it out to say financial bunny so she's teaching financial literacy and she's been at it for the last five six years i believe it is
2: okay. and
1: um quite recently she put out a book uh, for adults that she wrote And Mm -hmm. then they also did a book for children, which they're distributing to primary schools to teach people at grassroots uh, how to responsibly handle their money and develop savings and to invest and all of that. So initiatives like those are important. Um, They are absolutely critical because there is a deficiency in that respect because the education system, even though it turns out doctors, it turns Mm -hmm. out engineers, it turns out bankers like myself, Mm -hmm. it turns out business people, it has let all of us down in the area of teaching us how to do well with our money. Yes, It's true. just not there. So mm. yes, uh, developing of the curriculum with respect to personal finance is absolutely important. And yeah, um, that's the role I believe education should play because there is a gap, it's there. And, it is there,
0: it is and, there. And, and for yourself, for you, um, as a person, what what are you like for you as actually for you as a business? What how, what plans do you have in getting that financial literacy into an into areas such as your townships and your rural areas where they don't have the, the adequate um, um, resources to get to 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 know and learn about the things that you're teaching them online and getting into an urban area. It's, it's, it's normally a, a difficult thing for them, but what are your plans to kind of like go that direction as well?
1: Or oh, absolutely, you're quite right. Um, first of all, my organization is actually a startup. Um, mm. As I said, Financial Sense is, um, let me try and condense it financial sense is going to be something along the lines of what you would get if you combined bloomberg the learning annex and the rich dad company so that's what we want to that's what we're out to do we want to disseminate financial information but Mm. make it approachable for the common guy all right and the common guy is not just someone in town the common man is also in the rural areas. All right. Mm, mm. Currently we are online. um, So that's part of the strategy. Secondly, we're going to be in print. And thirdly, we will be on television and on radio,
2: Mm. okay?
1: And wherever there is coverage, wherever there are working devices, you will get information. However, um, we will refine the strategy as it goes. Now to reach those people who you said are in the rural areas, obviously um, resources might not always permit. So we Mm. would need partnership with government, Um, but that we'll discuss at a later date, as soon as it becomes practical. But for the time being, if you are on the airwaves, you will hear my voice. <laughs> sorry to sound like John Connor on
0: Terminator, <laughs> but Do you think, if you're um, on the airwaves. <laughs> yeah, so, sorry to kind of like um uh, uh block your 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 thought. Pattern there I, I was just thinking about the part where you say the government. No problem. So in the part where you say you're gonna speak with the government, don't you think the government really doesn't want to kind of have? something progress uh, not to be negative or anything but it's just just looking at our especially our african governments a lot of them haven't really played a major part in helping us to to build ourselves and to become better it's actually the people that build themselves and try to better themselves so do you think that would be a, a wise to to hope for or to think of to say, if I take this to the government, they will help me to build. Because why why I say that is that sometimes you'll find that the moment you introduce something to the government, they have it as a plan for for political um, success, but you have it as a plan for just a human being growing uh knowing how to play a part in basically paying the taxes but the the government will look at it as a way of winning more votes and stuff like that don't you think maybe that would be a wrong route to take
1: well um yes that risk is always present Mm. and uh look I think it's risky, especially in my part of the world, to attempt to take an initiative like this one into the rural areas, as you said, without government's input. (laughs) It's a story for another day, but um, it's it's actually, uh, it would be more prudent to have them know that this is an initiative you want to take. And look, um, these guys, do sponsor and they do get throw their weight behind initiatives they genuinely feel will develop people but Mm. um in terms of practicality it remains to be seen however that was a really an idea i had right at the top of my mind to say okay look um who best can get to the person in remote areas it has to be government so some kind of a partnership with the government in the future would work but uh it has to be practical and it has to make sense first for that to happen so yeah but um the risks we are well aware of them uh of what can happen if you try and uh get involved with government because remember they've got political motives i have Mm -hmm. financial motives Mm -hmm. uh yeah it it might sometimes be difficult to marry the two but we'll see when we'll cross the bridge when we get to it
0: okay okay no that's good man And, and um just looking at the, the whole financial, uh, especially financial literacy, what do you think, uh, mm-hmm. uh, let, me, let me put it at a teenager. You know, you started high school and you're getting your, your, um, your, your tuck money or you're getting a certain allowance that you get every week or every month. What would be the best way for a yes. person to kind of start investing in?
1: Wonderful. Thank you for asking that question. <laughs> you know, the way we relate with money differs at different time periods of our life. Mm. OK, um, I'll address the question that you've asked to say as a teenager, when I'm getting my tuck money, what's mm. the best thing I should do with it? Uh, I'll even go further to say at our age, because we're not our age difference is not that great. We're possibly of the same generation. and someone who is of a generation ahead our Mm -hmm. relationships with money vary at age uh you know at every stage of our life all right for someone who is in high school let's give it an age range to say from the years of 18 to about 25 okay Mm -hmm. 16 to 25 right someone will complete their high school within that age range get into university and finish university and start to enter the workforce Mm. All right. At that age, you really generally do not have anything to lose. Mm. All right. The money, first of all, is your money. <laughs> it's not your money. It's not earned income. True, true. If you're smart and you save that, you can invest it. Right. And at that age, you can afford to lose money. OK. All right. Because you can always get it back when you work. You've got more time. Uh, 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 in the workforce or more strength, as it were, to be able to do things that will earn you money so you can afford to place your money in what would be considered high-risk investments. Mm. And by high risk, I don't mean the forex trading schemes and Bitcoin trading schemes. No, those ones, uh, generally, if you follow my uh, uh, channel, you'll find I'm not a big fan of those. In fact, I actually advise against them. So as a young person, your portfolio, your investment portfolio should comprise stocks or shares, right? And you can afford to invest in growth companies, companies Mm -hmm. that might not be paying dividends for the time being, but are Mm -hmm. retaining a lot of their profits in order to grow their business and grow your capital at the same time. So when you are a young person at that stage of your life, you can afford to place your uh capital or your investment funds into uh investments that are have above average levels of risk okay. all right yeah. coming to the age band that we we are between mm-hmm. the ages of 25 and 35 you'll find that most people at that time will settle down you know they mm-hmm. get married they have a couple of kids they have a mortgage they have additional responsibility and what have you they still have a stomach for risk because between the ages of 25 and 35 mm-hmm. assuming a retirement age of 65 you have anywhere between 30 to 40 years of work under your belt in the future in fact under uh, uh, not under your belt 30 to 40 years of work still ahead so okay. you can also tolerate a measure of risk, but because you have got responsibilities, you cannot afford certain financial disasters. So your mm. investment portfolio should also include equities, but you can have a small portion in, say, bonds. Fixed income investments that pay off interest, okay. you know, at regular intervals. You're mm. right. You can also adjust your portfolio to say, okay, um, let me rebalance it. That's the term we use, rebalance my portfolio away from say growth companies to say dividend companies, all right? Dividend shares Mm. from just growth shares. So you'll have in your portfolio, this, you know, the usual growth shares and some dividend shares that pay off um, dividends, uh, you know, um, at different times of the year so that you have income, all right? And at that age as well, I, uh, let me also say that you can afford to have your capital compounding. For mm-hmm. example, personally, in my own experience, when I started investing, I spoke to my broker and I said to him, uh, broker, I have no need of additional income from my portfolio right now. Mm-hmm. Whatever I am investing and whatever I get from my portfolio put it back in the same investments until I instruct you otherwise. Mm. And you'll find that my position in the shares that I have in my investment portfolio has been growing as a result of it. Okay. All right. Mm. So that's at that age, 25 to 35, from Mm. 35 to about 45. um, That's the time. Maybe your kids, 35, 45 to 50, your children that you've had are growing up. Um, they're finishing primary school, they're getting into uh, secondary school, some are possibly going into college, you need to have saved for their college, and that's when your tolerance of risk starts to reduce. You can no longer afford to place your capital, as it were, in uh, investments that are just risky, where the likelihood of your money You know, disappearing or reducing to zero is possible. That's when you also need to adjust your portfolio and say, okay, now I need more dividends. I need more in terms of investments in bonds and fixed income and whatever you. Mm. And uh, when you breach the 55, 55 years going to when you eventually kick the bucket. You have things like retirement, your children, you know, are gone off to get married, hopefully in some instances. Mm. And I'll have you know, Mr. Elvis, this one of the trends that we've noticed, Mm. especially here in Zimbabwe. I don't know what it's like in South Africa, is that you'll find because of unemployment, high unemployment, you'll find that you'll have to keep take care of your kids for much longer than you would if (laughs) you had a more vibrant economy because they cannot find work. So you will have a 25-year-old, 26, 27, sometimes 30-year-old still at home because he cannot get a job. So when that happens, it means, okay, you still need to feed them. You still need to, uh, hopefully not to clothe them, but in some instances, that's what it is. So that places a greater demand on your income post the time that you can uh, afford to work. So what does that mean for a person with an investment portfolio? It means beyond the ages of 55 going forward, you now need a fixed income in addition to your retirement money, Mm -hmm. in in addition to your uh, pension. So what should your portfolio look like? It should be comprised totally of uh, 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 high-income securities. Mm -hmm. If you were able to purchase investment properties, you should have those, and they should be generating income from rentals and all of that. So it's actually... um, to demonstrate to you that at various times of our life our risk appetite or our risk tolerance changes it's never always the same okay. so um i know you had asked about a young person but i've given you from a young person to a young adult g- to g- a middle-aged technology. person to an elderly person
0: you've given me the whole genealogy about yes education i'm sorry for me now, yes. my question would be then, because uh, you're talking about um, investing in you know, your, your bonds and all, but now then, uh, looking yes. at the concept as well of, of uh, cryptocurrency, um, isn't that kind of like a similar yes. thing? It's, it's a similar risk. It's just uh, with crypto, it's, it's yes. more of a higher risk, I, I, I would presume.
1: Absolutely, it is definitely high risk. Um, Elvis, I I don't know if you watched my show on Thursday that I aired it, my video on Mm. Financial Sense TV on Thursday. Ah. Um, I I, I have a video where I address that. Uh, Mm. It's titled "Bitcoin and Cryptocurrencies: Buyer Beware."
2: Mm.
1: Mm. All right. Now, cryptocurrency is definitely a high-risk type of um investment if you like Mm -hmm. i don't really consider it an investment because on all counts, for me it's fallen flat on its face all right Mm -hmm. um it's generally a digital currency that enables you and me to transact between ourselves without the need for a third party like a bank Mm -hmm. uh like a central bank or a credit card company all right you and me can send money to one another um Mm -hmm using our Bitcoin addresses or cryptocurrency Mm. addresses or whatever the case might be. Now, when Bitcoin initially was invented, you could have bought a Bitcoin for a fraction of a cent. Yes. And the highest it's been so far was 64,000 for that same cent. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Now, Elvis, if you had invested 1,000 US dollars when it was invented Mm. and sold it at 64,000, you would be able to buy my country, Zimbabwe, four times with wow. the money you'd have made. Why are people doing four that? Four times you'd be able to pay for my country four times. <laughs> well, I I wonder. <laughs> so it's high risk in that. Then from sixty four thousand, the price came all the way down to the thirties, 30s, thirty something thousand. Mm, okay. Mm. Imagine what the guy who bought at 64,000 and thought, okay, I'm going to hold until it gets to 100,000. And so his money reduced from a price of 64,000 to a price of, say, 37,000. It must have been terrifying. (laughs) It must have been terrifying. And generally, for an investment to be a solid one, in Mm. my view, that investment must generate cash flow for someone. Bitcoin doesn't do that. Bitcoin can give you capital appreciation in that if you buy it at 40,625, which was the closing price, I believe, on Friday, Mm. it can go up to 50,000, in which case you've made an additional 10,000. But it's not always given that the price will rise. I know most people feel it will, but I don't want the regular investor, the guy that I'm reaching through my channels, through all the media outlets that I've got, to Mm. think that. I'm saying to him, it's a worthy investment. Of course, if you've got a stomach full of razor blades and guts of steel, yes, you can attempt to. You might even win. But I think the risk is just too, too, too much. And that market is just easily manipulated. I mean, you had a guy like Elon Musk um, pump wind under everyone's sails to say, look, guys, uh, my companies are going to be accepting Bitcoin. Um, let's do this, guys. Let's do this. And then there's a, a rumor and it's not even verified that he spent a large sum of money purchasing cryptocurrency and then the price shot up and yeah. then literally at the drop of a hat he turns around and says oh no guys listen <laughs> bitcoin mining is a humming in the environment we will no longer be getting involved in this and then the price collapses so for me do not venture into this thing if you've got as much unless you've got as much money as Elon Musk
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> in which case the target of people I am speaking to do not have that kind of money. You don't but, want to lose your shirt over this. But there's, so, a, there's, a,
0: yeah, there's a lot of people. Uh, yeah, sorry, man. There's, there's a lot of people that are actually getting into this thing of Bitcoin. Because uh, if, if you like look at the way um, the, the markets are, are done or they're carried out, especially in the Bitcoin market, it's a similar system. the banking markets you know with with your easy equities and stuff like that you know it's a similar it's a similar thing it's just that bitcoin bitcoin can pay you off um according to i haven't i haven't done it i haven't gone deep into it and anything but they do say that bitcoin can actually pay you um it Quicker than what your, your your money markets could do. If you're looking at investing in companies and investing in easy equities, so for me, right. it's like, don't you think maybe we, we 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 have this fear of the unknown, and we so much love to have control over things, which is why we wouldn't want to invest in something that we that the bank doesn't have control over uh, as compared to, you know, is the equities where you know that the bank has control over that and it can govern that. And yeah, so don't you think maybe that could be the All issue? Right.
1: Well, okay, um, let me start with where I agree with you. Mm. Um, in the video on my channel, I give an analogy and say, if you had invested 1,000 US dollars uh, in Bitcoin in 2008 when it was initially created Mm -hmm. and kept that investment up until, say, maybe the highest price, which was Mm 64,000, or kept it even um, up to the price where it is now in the 40-something thousands, Mm -hmm. you'd be a multi-billionaire, Elvis. Yeah, you'd be, like I said, uh, I gave an example and said, what you would be worth is multiple times the GDP of my country.
2: Okay.
1: You'd be as rich as Phil Knight, the founder Mm -hmm. of Nike. Yeah. You would be able to buy and sell Roman Abramovich four or five times with the amount of money you have. Yeah. But look at the risk you would have to incur in doing that. Mm -hmm. You would have to be able to live with a, a wonderful amount of risk, more risk than most people are able to tolerate mm. so are people making money from bitcoin definitely absolutely yes um is there money that you can make from bitcoin absolutely mm. um there are some people like you've just said who don't like regulated markets yes. where you have your stock brokers like easy equities and who- there are people who say look um i want to be able to make money without government interfering and this and that and the other yes they are there but mm. All I'm saying is, um, I wouldn't Mm. advise investing in a market, number one, that's not regulated, like Mm. Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. They are not. If you lose your money in in an unregulated market like that, where will you get recourse from? If you entered into a contract with uh, any person to do business and the medium of exchange is Bitcoin, if you are in a country where Bitcoin is not considered legal tender, if the other person screws you over—pardon the language—if the other person screws you over, what court will you go to to get any recourse? Because they'll say, "Okay, you and him agreed to do this. What um, did you? Uh, what price did you agree? What currency? What mm-hmm. do you know? All of that. Um, things like that can be invalidated the moment you say we agreed." To transact in cryptocurrency, because then they'll say, "Oh, look! In the Republic of Zimbabwe, we have banned cryptocurrency. We don't even consider it legal tender." So hard luck.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. That's a harsh but diff, uh, truthful um, uh, take on that. And and then now, because for me, when I look at. Bitcoin, uh, okay, how it began, especially with your Bitcoin and your forex. You know, when you're looking at that, for me, it looked as it seems as though it was more like a, you know, we have the system here called the stock fell, you know, where you pay, yes, you know, yeah. you 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 know the, the, the crannies uh, normally do this, they come together every month and, you know, and then they put money into the system, but it goes to the bank. And you know, you you all Give a certain person, one person or two people, that will actually be entrusted in in taking care of that money in that bank account. You know, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's, it's a system mm-hmm. that they've tried to to remove, but then they realize that the system actually helps these old people to save up for more money. It's it's a it's a good it's actually a good banking system. We could actually have it, but no one is creating something like that Absolutely. especially before the blacks and, and, and then um, now, so when you look at that, you just think ah, Bitcoin and Forex are, Forex, uh, uh, um, what do you call this? They, they are stock fells. But then now, uh, if, if we then <laughs> change uh, just to take a different detour. Um, so now with, with your, with your yes. financial literacy, uh, where do you see Uh, the the company in five years time where do you think your focus is going to be from today up until five years time and which direction are you taking with this
1: okay um well um let me say well In five years' time, um, FinCENS media, as I said, will be involved in mainstream media, that is print, Mm. it will be involved in internet media, it will be involved in radio, Uh, it'll be involved in publishing, it'll be involved in uh, advertising and communications, because that's the other stream we are targeting. That when the audience uh, becomes large um, mm. there's no reason why my organization cannot knock on the doors of your south african breweries and say hey guys listen mm. this is my name uh, this is what i've been doing mm. um, partner with me let's get into that's another inroad into the townships like you're
0: saying yeah. <laughs> like you asked previously but, 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 uh, yeah, um, sorry again okay, to just jump on. yes Um, But now you you want to get into radio and television. Don't you think that these are industries that are dying down a bit?
1: Um, Print is dying down. That's for sure. Print is in long term. That's in decline. Yes. Mm. Um, Print. uh, Well, if... In terms of news, yes, Um, yeah. Look, I think universally it's agreed that print is definitely in long-term decline, but uh, like as any other business, you want to optimize your resources. Mm. So should we find the niche that allows us to extract value from print, we'll definitely pursue that. Mm -hmm. television um yes but if you see lots of these guys are converging with the internet tv Mm -hmm. and radio and whatever so in that respect yes yes and uh with respect to publication uh, unfortunately now i'm divulging some of the things that uh um still well they were under wraps but um in terms of promoting the business it, it does no harm
0: okay
1: it's okay um There's a book that I've been working on. The manuscript is almost ready. It will be coming out. Um, Yes, it might be sold, but it's gonna be predominantly a promotional item. Uh, Again, the object of it is to get the word out and to move it, um, to disseminate as as far as possible, to reach as many uh, people as possible. Mm. And, look, it's not going to be a show about me only. Hey, Um, you will have a lot of people. Like if you look at rich dad company, rich dad company has a system that they call rich dad advisors. And the rich Mm -hmm. dad advisors are people who've written books around just about any topic you can imagine to do with uh, personal finance investments, finance, whatever. Mm. All right. It's no longer about Robert Kiyosaki and Kim Kiyosaki. You have your Gary Suttons. Mm -hmm. You have your Ken McElroy's. You have all these guys under that stable who produce content Mm -hmm. and Rich Dad Company, uh, if you like, offers that platform for all of them. And many of them have gone on and done very well. They're doing their own shows, but they began under that stable, Rich Dad Company. So with Thin Sense, uh, expect to see the same happening. All right? You will have the... Uh, personal uh, finance, lit- uh, financial literacy uh, 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 unit uh, on its own with its mm. stable of uh, financial sense advisors who create content as well. And it's flighted on, uh, uh, um, on or under the financial sense uh, 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 stable or platform. Mm. And then you will have um, what I've called the investment brief, my weekly newsletter uh mm-hmm. there's no reason why that cannot be a challenger to papers like the mail and guardian there's mm-hmm. no reason why it cannot be a challenger to uh times media the business times the financial times there really is no reason for that mm-hmm. however um at the stage we're in we're growing um we're looking to get more partners uh more people but you'll see it as time goes okay watch, so watch the
0: space Oh, that's mm-hmm. great. That's uh, that's great news, man. And, and so, um, basically, you're getting into the media scene. And at yes, the same sir. time, um, are, are you looking into maybe even growing the whole business um, in, in, a, in more of a township, rural setup? You know, getting more kind of like... Since you're saying you're doing this rich, uh, in the same similar thing to the rich, uh, rich dad um, company, where you have like a, a system that basically mentors other young businessmen in a, in, a, in a township setup to kind of build something similar to that, but in their own um, society or community.
1: All right. Um, the short answer is yes. Okay. The long answer is remember when we began the conversation, mm. I said that the motivating aspect, the mission of the company is to enhance the financial sense in every person there is. Mm. Mm. And specifically, it's black people. Yes. And uh, black people, because between us and our white counterparts, there is a very big gaping hole called the racial, uh, the financial, uh, the racial wealth gap. Yes, that's what it is, the racial wealth gap. So uh, if there is a way in which we can close that gap and that way includes my organization going into the rural areas, my organization going into the townships, my organization Mm -hmm. going into other countries, if it serves me um, in terms of fulfilling the mission, we will do it.
0: Mm, mm. Okay. No, no, that's perfect, man. And um, so now for, for, for a person like me, um, who's yes. not literate with uh, finances, and I'd like to just start by working on my finances what would you advise me to first do in the beginning you know let's just say I got my my first job um you know and I've never learned about financial financials since I was young no one taught me that now I get my first job and I want to start investing but I need to get a house I need to get a car you know all that stuff um how do I go about it
1: fantastic question um if you consider yourself to not be financially literate Mm. it's a good thing that you and me are having this discussion if you have seen the need to enhance your financial literacy Mm. then i'm glad you and me are having this conversation Mm. and uh it is a continuous thing okay because financial literacy is not like a degree that you studied four years you got it and that's it uh you got you started two years you got your master's and that's it no it's continuous it is Mm. absolutely continuous because money itself is constantly changing so Mm. you also need to stay ahead of it right and um my maiden article my maiden newsletter on my linkedin Mm. was titled how to bulletproof your finances. And the context was within the pandemic to say, look, the pandemic has slapped us all silly, all mm-hmm. right? No one was ready for this. No mm-hmm. one was prepared for this. What should the state of your finances be if you want to weather the storm, Yeah. all right? The s- subject matter is a great answer for the question that you are, uh, you've asked me. If you're saying, I'm new to this and I want to learn how to handle my money better, there are three things I want you to do. Mm. For example, in fact, not for example, firstly, thou shalt save a portion of all thine earnings. (laughs) Other financial uh, uh, literacy uh, uh, advocates call it paying yourself first. That's what George Clayson in Mm -hmm. um, The Richest Man in Babylon said you pay yourself first. In other words, you you have a portion of money that you set aside
2: Mm. and
1: you inculcate that discipline. Every uh, salary you get,
2: Mm. save
1: a portion. It can be 10%, 20%. One of the guys I greatly respect, uh, Richard Fain, he's doing amazing financial literacy work in the U S he's got his channel. Uh, It's called Richard Fain. He said at one point he was saving 40% of his income wow nicolette machine at some point was saving a substantial amount of her income because she taught herself to say look i'll live below my means or yeah. i'll restrict my expenditure every month to this which was way be- below her means and the excess she was saving mm. all right mm. same with richard Fain. and uh at the end of a certain period of time you'd have accumulated capital which you then invest yeah. these two people i have mentioned Uh, Nicolette Mashile in her case, she bought her flats cash. I think she's bought two apartments cash Mm. without Mm. having to buy without having to borrow a single Mm -hmm. cent from the bank. And she's got five properties last time I counted. Mm. Richard Fain, the same thing. He's also been buying lots of real estate and whatever. So the beginning is to save and what enables you to save is to live below your means. If you earn 15,000 rand, Mm. don't let your expenditures be 18,000. Or 25,000. Yeah, no, if yeah. you're getting 15,000 Rand, do your best to try and live on, say, eight, nine, 10,000 max, and then save the difference. Mm. At the end of a year, you will have anywhere between 60 and 70,000 Rand, and you can invest that. That brings me to the second part. After you save, there's no point sitting on a hoard of cash. When you've mm-hmm. accumulated cash, you then put that money to work. Okay. That's how people get rich. Mm. rich people get rich because they have capital working for them and not uh, them working for money which is something robert kiyosaki the rich dad says yes. he says poor people work for money the rich do not work for money mm, mm, mm. all right so you employ your savings you employ your capital you invest in any variety of things. There are some people who invest in businesses that they run. That's great.
0: Mm-hmm. There are others
1: who invest in shares like myself. That's even wonderful. There are others who invest in bonds and whatever. Others invest in commodities. Others like cryptocurrencies, the brave mm-hmm. ones. That's <laughs> great. Okay. And then you, after you save and you invest, manage debt. Debt, okay. debt, debt. eco mm-hmm. Manage those. Right. Um, look debt is not a bad thing okay it's the kind of debt that That determines whether it is good or it's bad Mm. if you use debt to finance assets like property the house you live in Mm. if you use debt to finance your education Mm. if you use debt to finance your investment portfolio like uh, real estate Mm. that kind of debt is fine that kind of debt can make you get rich Mm. that's fine there's nothing wrong with that but even still it would require you to manage it because you can employ large sums of debt and find yourself overextended that now you can't service or pay the interest or repayments on the debt even though you used it to buy your houses even though you invested in your business so it's got to be managed the debt that is dangerous
2: Mm. is
1: the debt that finances your consumption today Okay. That is a problem. Yes. That's a big, big, big problem. That one is like trying to climb a mountain by digging a hole downwards. It the will never work. Yeah. Oh, yes. And look, money, remember, is also psychological. And yes. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, the example of keeping up with the Joneses. Yes. Um, yes. If if you do not have the integrity of character, the integrity and the strength of character to say, hey, guys, this is my lane, um, Like I told you at the beginning of the interview, I was not born with a silver spoon. I had a Mm. shiny plastic one. (laughs) And, um, you know, I'm emotionally intelligent enough to know that I'll never compare myself with some rich kid from Borodale or Santon or whatever. So Mm. I know my financial lane. I operate within my financial lane. So Mm. I won't ever go approach a bank and say, guys, give me money. I want to buy the latest Mercedes. Yes. or if it's not part of my goals i won't do it
0: okay okay yes and, and then now uh, i just want to ask you this one question um Go. and this could be our kind of last question but uh, i want to find sure. out what's your take on black ticks? ooh it's a real baba <laughs>
1: Black tax is real. <laughs>
0: it, it is real.
2: Because it's real. The reason why
0: I ask is that a lot of our African brothers and sisters, um, um, there is some who are still successful, but it yes. kind of, I feel like it kind of slows down the success of a younger person because, firstly, you, yes. you you know, look at it this way: you go to school and you learn so hard that you get maybe a bursary to go to varsity and when you Correct. get varsity you get a loan from uh in our case there's an s that gives loans so now this child yes. is getting money from an s fast to go to varsity and they working right. moment they finish work they, they finish varsity now to get to, to get work now. They can't get work, they're unemployed. And the moment they get employed, you know, maybe you'll find that they'll take about a good two, three years to get work. The moment they just get work, now they need to pay back NSFAS or pay back the government yes. or whoever gave them the bursary to go to varsity. They pay that back. Yes. And already right. as a parent, just because you've taken this child through high school, let's just say, you know, now you expect that child to give you back that money, you know, and you start saying, No, we need to black tax, which is another thing that happens with, with some families, especially with, the, with regards to Lobola, where they, they charge you. Some families charge you for, for taking that child through university, you know. So that's right it's some of these things that we have so now my question is what's your take with that because it doesn't I feel like it doesn't help the child to grow and become a better person in life as compared to if you just let them say okay yes it's my duty as a parent to take this child through school and city and teach them and then let Uh them go out there and Mm -hmm. you know be their own manager or be their own businessman or whatever but yeah what's your take on that
1: all right. Um, excellent question. And I, I love that the thread of this conversation that we've had is very real. It's very practical. Because yeah. these are real life issues that we deal with. Yeah. And as I said, black tax is real, guys. It is real. And uh, look, um, to be responsible, for yeah. instance, if you've, you're, you, you know, you're the prosperous one and you've been blessed and you know, you're doing better than the rest of your family. I am not going to be the guy to say it's wrong for you to be responsible to your family.
2: Mm. Definitely mm. not
1: because mm. you should be, you know, um, mm. the opportunities you were afforded, you probably would not have had without the support and sponsorship of your family. All right. Mm. Mm. So it is not a bad thing to be responsible. Mm. However, where black tax starts to get really bad is it becomes much more than you can afford to provide, which Mm -hmm. I believe that is wrong. If now uh, it's like, (laughs) you can never (laughs) pay it off. (laughs) Then then there's a problem. There's Mm -hmm. a problem because remember you worked hard, you applied yourself, you went to all these places, you spent Mm -hmm. nights up studying hard and now you've got work and all of that yes you should be responsible but it's uh, you shouldn't feel like you've joined the mafia mm, you know mm, <laughs> that sort mm, of mm, thing mm. so how do we deal with black tax unfortunately now that depends on the characters involved you know mm. there are people who are assertive enough to say hey guys look i can only go so far you know mm. who are honest and assertive enough to say that but the majority of people i've dealt with like oh my goodness they, it's it's terrible it's like a nightmare for them people can't say no and all of that but mm. yeah I, I i definitely agree but um to be responsible to your family is an honorable thing but yes, yes, by yes. all means do it in a manner that's consistent with your resources and what you can
0: afford okay
1: that's that's my take yes
0: Oh, okay. No, no, that, that that makes perfect sense, you know. And I, I do. Yes, I do believe that. You know, it's good to be responsible for your family. I just feel like sometimes there's so much of an a, an expectation for you, uh, without basically the uh, parents knowing, or, or or that person, that child's parents knowing what mm-hmm. struggles you're going through. For them, it's mm-hmm. you're working. You have a house. You have a car. There's no problem with Mm -hmm. you. You need to pay something, bring something home, you know? And yeah, yeah, which then gets a person to live above and beyond their paycheck just because they want to to show off to their family to say, look, I am giving you this much, this amount of money. I can do this. I can, you know, that whole idea so thank you very much man for joining me uh, on quiet conversations with l jackson Prosper. um i I just want to find out something else uh just do tell me where can people find you if they want to learn more or just if they need more information about you you know like where can they find you in all your social media platforms and stuff like that
1: all right um firstly thank you thank you for having me on the show believe me um I gained more from it than you did, believe me. Um, yes, it's, it's, it's been an informative experience for me as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you can reach me. Anyone can reach me on, like I said, LinkedIn. My okay. name is Lawrence Isitole. Yeah. I'm on Facebook. I am on Instagram. I am on Twitter. And I will send you my email uh, mm-hmm. directly to your WhatsApp. But yes, I'm yeah. I'm very available on YouTube. Um, the channel is Financial Sense TV, mm. and uh, for the time being, because of um, production and all of that, I'm um, I shoot a I flight a video once a week, and that's normally Thursdays or Fridays. Mm. But that's where anyone can reach me at any time. Um, I have a mailing list of people that you know if you have questions and what have you they send them directly to me and yeah we discuss I'm very available
0: okay so please just do send me your handles on your LinkedIn all your social handles as well as the you know the TV channel and um, with this episode the video one will be available on 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 uh, financial sense TV channel on YouTube and the audio, as usual, will be available on Quiet Conversations with Al Jackson Posture. So thank you very much. And we will have another conversation because there is other questions that I do actually want to ask. But I, I would love to actually have you with a person that's uh, invested into cryptocurrency. I'd like to see how that conversation goes. And you might just learn quite a lot from that. So thank you very much for joining me, bro. And yeah um to everyone else uh quiet conversations with LJX Imposter we out and be blessed peace